Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. Oh, oh fuck. fuck. Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And we're unsupervised. unsupervised. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. It's just me and Ashley today. It is. Don't go away. Don't leave. We know most of you are here for Rebecca. It's fine. Calm down. Problem is, Rebecca fell intensely in love with me over the break. No. Oh, okay. So she didn't. But what happened is she fell into a giant hole. No. All right, you guys, I'm sorry. What really happened is I became too much of a presence for her. Um, <laughs> not wrong there, but in this current moment, that's not the problem at hand. Rebecca's still out of spoons. So if you guys can get in touch with the spoon fairy yeah. and just like send them her way, uh, then great. you can have her back. But for right now, she is uh, isolated in a cave. Well, prioritizing her mental health, which is what we always strive to do. Indeed. So she's just going to like baby bear it in a cave somewhere for a little bit. Yeah, but she will be back. She did say she will be back and I put that in writing. So it's fine. <laughs> and by writing, you mean text in our Discord. It's fine. So she will be back. But for a while, it's just going to be me and Ashley unsupervised. <laughs> <laughs> no one to tell us no. Oh, God. <laughs> That's going to get scary. No, it's awesomely <laughs> terrifying. All right. So if things get a little weird, we're sorry. Um, also, I have a cold. Um, so forgive the raspy, sexy voice. She just wanted to make a big comeback with the deep phone operator voice for you guys. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So since we're back, I decided to take it old school. Oh, God. How many people die? A lot. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but that's not what I was referring to. The very, very first episode of the show was Dr. Kevorkian, because he was one of my first people that I was like, huh, fucked up people are really cool. <laughs> fucked up people are real fucked up, and I'm into it. This one is not really cool, but uh -oh. is one of the first people that made me be like, huh, this world, huh. Okay. Am I going to be real bummed out? Uh, probably. Are there... No, uh, I don't have a buffer. Why don't I have a buffer? Because no spoons. spoons. Damn it, spoons. I'm what like, do you, What buffer do you need? I worry. But let's see how it it's goes. It's fine. Yeah. We, What's the worst that could happen? I will run out of spoons after this episode. Oh, no. And then it's just me. You guys would all die. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody dies. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. <laughs> the ladies of strange where everyone dies. That's what my solo spinoff is going to be called. All right. So we are talking about an oldie, but a goodie. And most people probably know the catalyst to this story. But I don't know if a lot of people know a lot of the backstory. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about James Warren Jones. Jim Jones! Jim Jones! Kool-Aid man! Flavor-Aid man. Uh, well, yes, but the original... Was he the... What, when did the Kool-Aid man come out? I don't know. I'm going to call Jim question. Jones the original Kool-Aid man. Oh, don't. <laughs> don't do that to Kool-Aid. It wasn't even Kool-Aid. It was Flavor-Aid. 
All right, so he was born May 13th, 1931 in Crete, Indiana, which is a teeny, 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 tiny town. Teeny, 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 tiny town. Teeny, teeny, tiny town, and even more teeny, 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 tiny in the 30s, I would imagine. Ooh. So the Kool-Aid man probably came out before he hit his stride because the Kool-Aid man came out in like the mid-50s. Yeah. Did you okay. look that up or I do you did. just know when the Kool-Aid man uh, came out? 54 because so, I'm smart. So the Kool-Aid man says, oh yeah. The Flavor-Aid man says, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that was bad. Um, his father, James Thurman Jones, was a disabled World War One veteran. So his mother, Lynetta, had to work numerous odd jobs to provide for the family because her husband was not able to. So she was pretty much gone most mm-hmm. of his childhood. And his father, being the uh, great man that he was, paid pretty much no attention to Jim. He mm. could kind of come and go as he wanted. So he started hanging out with the neighborhood kids and their families because his dad pretty much locked himself in the house and wanted nothing to do with him. So he just kind of found companionship where he could. As you do. He befriended a local Pentecostal minister. Mm-hmm. And if anyone knows anything about the uh, Pentecostal sect of Christianity... Not all, and especially not so much now. But Pentecostal is known for being the very over-the-top sect mm. of Christianity, like speaking in tongues. Like fire and, and brimstone. Yeah, snake and handling. Okay. Faith healing. and Okay. So all of the very over-the-top. Uh, God, I do like snake handling, just not in that aspect. I mean, I like watching people handle snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except... Never mind. We don't need to go on that tangent right now because I went on it far too long (laughs) at home. (laughs) So he also became very into religion, like very into it. He was at the church pretty much all the time when he wasn't at home. And he also started reading a lot of books on people like uh, Hitler and Stalin Okay. And Marx. Okay. And your favorite, Mahatma Gandhi. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We don't need to bring that up. But um, I went, I went, I think everybody who has like a weird side goes through, and I don't want this to sound the way it's going to come out, but everybody goes through a Hitler face. Like, <laughs> okay, that's exactly, that's how, exactly I how I did not want it to come out. <laughs> Everybody has a Hitler face. No, but I feel like most people I know who are into some really weird shit like I am go through a phase where they're like fascinated by him and want to know like what made him tick and like his rise to power and how that could actually happen and what led to it. And like I went through that. I got like real into it. And for a very large portion of my childhood, I watched a lot of World War II documentaries. I mean, it's really not much different than me being fascinated by serial killers. Yeah. So there we go. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And yes, I guess I went through a Hitler phase too. Yeah. I never wanted those words to come out of my <laughs> mouth, but you know, this you is, live and you learn. This is where Rebecca's at home going, oh God, oh God no. Shut up. Just stop talking. <laughs> I made a bad decision. <laughs> um, so allegedly, on top of being the wonderful parent that he was, his dad was part of the KKK. Ow, no. And he wouldn't let Jim bring anybody of color anywhere near the house oh that's awful so jim started to look into race relations okay his parents divorced in 1945 good for you lynetta sounds like you made a step in the right direction Mm -hmm. and jim moved to richmond indiana with his mother 
where he got a job working as an orderly at the local hospital, and he met nurse Marceline Baldwin. Oh, I like that name. Right? Marceline was 22. How old is Jim at this point? 18. Okay. Not at, well, at this point. Anyway, they got married when Marceline was 22 and Jim was 18. Ah. So when they met in 1945, they would have been 18 and 14. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm not judging. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna judge because it's Jim Jones, but and they waited until he was legal. Okay. So I mean, he was a very, very religious man. So I'm assuming nothing happened before marriage. Well, so like when you were talking about how he got into race relations and like his mom left and they moved and he was an orderly at the hospital, I was like, oh yeah, get it, boy. And then I remember too, we were talking about this is how cults happen. I know it's a problem. So I was talking to my husband about what I was covering and I made a comment about how I could almost see mm-hmm. how people fell for this. Like we usually do with most of the cults that we cover. And he was like, no, cults are bad. <laughs> I was like, I'm aware. I get that. <laughs> but think about it. Somebody is preaching X, Y, and Z and yeah. it aligns with what you believe in. Like I could see how you would be drawn to that person. And he was like, cults, they're everywhere you want to be and everywhere you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the new after school special campaign. (laughs) This is your brain. This is your brain on cults. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So they were married June 12th, 1949. Again, Marceline was 22 and Jim was 18 and had just graduated from high school a month prior. After they got married, they moved to Bloomington, Indiana, where Jim attended Indiana University. While he was attending the university, he got to attend a speech by Eleanor Roosevelt on racial equality. Oh, that's cool. Right? I like that. These are one of the things that, like, if I ever got the chance to go back in time, I would, like, sneak into one of those speeches. See, I think about that, but also, like, what if somebody 20 years from now is like, I'd like to sneak into this thing. I'd be like, bitch, that's hard. Good luck. So like sneaking into things. Yeah. So why don't we just start sneaking into things now? Um, Because it's a lot harder now than it would have been in the 40s. Yeah. But it's the same now as it would be if you came from 40 years in the future to now. I, that, does that make that doesn't make sense? No, it does. Yeah. Because yeah. like the advancements 40 years from yeah. now compared to where we are now. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So like we should just start sneaking into stuff now. And Rebecca's not here to tell us no. <laughs> But we don't have like Eleanor Roosevelt's and I guess we do have pretty prolific people. We do. But we won't appreciate them until they're gone. I appreciate everybody now. Except for Jim Jones. (laughs) Well, he's dead. So it's fine. And in 1951, Jim and Marceline moved to Indianapolis where Jim would attend his first communist meeting. Oh, why did I not know Jim Jones was into communism? I mean, I guess that makes it commune, mm, communism, communism, socialism, Marxism. Yeah. He was not about consumerism. Yeah. Is that the right word? All right. 1952, he enters the ministry while attending night classes at Butler University, where he eventually got a degree in secondary education. He quickly earned notability as an evangelist and faith healer. Mm. where he cured cancer by having cough, people cough up rotten chicken bones ah. and healed perfectly healthy people. Oh, yeah, I Magic. can do that. <laughs> you were healed, my child. Actually, I tend to make people sick. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm a faith healer in reverse. <laughs> what would that be? 
I like I, I don't subscribe to a religion so when I interact with people they're like oh you make me sick so instead of a faith healer you would be like an atheist herder oh but that sounds like I heard atheist yeah let's just say faith healer in reverse okay a non-faith healer so he would hire PIs to obtain information on the attendance of the church and the healing session oh He'd get all the information about them, find out if they had, like, you know, they went to the pharmacy to pick something up or Uh what might be bothering them. Like, oh, little Timmy fell and scraped his knee and like, oh, Timmy, your knee. Or like the psychics who are like, have people listening in (laughs) as you're waiting in line. They're like, I really hope I see my Uncle Bob. There's a Uncle Bob I'm getting a B name, possibly. Bob. Uh, Maybe it's a uh, uncle. You're an uncle. Your niece is here. Yeah, <laughs> I would My still mom. go to <laughs> I'd still do it. I would do. So in 1954, he leaves the church where he was practicing his ministry because they refused to hold integrated services. Good for mm, why do I want to keep right? saying good for you, Jim Jones? <laughs> right. We all know how this ends. And he opened his own church in a local community center called the Community Union Church. In 1956, he was able to open his own church, like his own building, in a diverse neighborhood and opens the Wings of Deliverance Church, which would later become the People's Temple. Oh, well, okay. When you get to the People's Temple, I got to tell you about some stuff I know. About what? The The People's People's Temple. Temple. Well, I mean, we're there. Did you know they have... Did I know they have what? Did you know they ended up coming out with like gospel albums? Oh yeah, they have like a whole a whole choir. bunch of them. Yeah, they're yeah. like a bunch of albums, and they actually sound pretty cool. I know it's a problem. Yeah, it's one of those like thank God for free digital downloads because I don't want to give them any money. Yeah, even though now I think a lot of anything that's earned by Under that right, I think it goes to survivors. So. Just okay. be careful where, what you're paying for before you follow through on that or yes. listen to me on that. So by 1960, the People's Temple had grown to be a huge part of the community. They opened a soup kitchen that offered hot meals to the community as well as clothes, coal for the winter, financial assistance, job placement. Like, they put on this amazing front. And it's fucked up because it's a cult and I know what happens, but like, I don't feel like it was really a cult. Right? It's like at this or, point, it I'm has sorry. A, I don't feel like it's really a front. Yeah. No, at this point, like, I don't think the power has gotten to his head right. yet. So like, it's all good stuff. And this is why I'm so susceptible to cults. <laughs> Damn it. Because like, it sounds ideal. Like, go celebrate your faith with like-minded people yeah. who want to do good in this world and unite and help those who need it. And like, God damn it. Why yep. can't good things just be good? And like one of the few places in the forties and fifties that was open to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I would have fallen for it. Yeah. Damn it. You're supposed to keep me out of cults. I'm sorry. I mean, the faith healing might've made me raise an eyebrow. Yeah. True. But the rest of it, I'd be like, okay, yeah, he made some lady cough up an old chicken foot. But also, look at what he's doing over here. Yeah. like I just won't go to the faith healing session. Look at the soup kitchen. I'll help out in the soup kitchen. Yeah. But, you know, I will go to the faith healing sessions just to watch. But, like, that's how (laughs) I would get sucked in. I'll support him, but I won't won't believe it. Mm -mm. But I'll support it. (laughs) But I'll be there. 
It's like me going to wrestling events with my husband and child. Wrestling, the new Jim Jones. <laughs> WWE, the new Jonestown. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rebecca. I'm not. I would have said it if you were here. So on January 6th, 1961, Indianapolis Mayor Charles Boswell appoints Jim Jones the director of the Indianapolis Human Rights Commission because of all of the good that the People's Temple had done for the local community. This, along with his radio and TV appearances, however, propelled the People's Temple into the spotlight and kind of put him in danger because majority of people weren't for the same things he was. Oh, that's right. I was like, how could you not be for that? But the time of all of this. Okay. Well, everybody sucks. Let's go. (laughs) Everyone sucks, including Jim Jones. So uh, racially charged vandalism was painted on the building of the churches with swastikas and racial slurs. Members would be shot at. They would get threatening phone calls. Apparently, at one point, there was a dead cat thrown on Jim Jones's yard. What? I don't know. I saw it in a couple articles. And I was like, what does the cat have to do with anything? Why you got to hurt the cat? Oh, no. So the threats and the actions taken against the church caused Jim to confess that he can no longer believe in God. Oh. Oh, this is probably where people needed to start, like, skedaddling. Yeah. And it leads him to start abusing drugs, mainly uh, amphetamines. Okay. That sucks. But not all people who go through that in their life end up like Jim Jones. So, like, sucks for you, Jim, but, like, get your shit together. That would be nice. So, around this time, and probably um, the multitude of amphetamines in his system didn't help. But, yeah, he had visions that Indianapolis was going to be taken out by a nuclear attack. Guys, this is why mental health is so important. (laughs) Rebecca, get your spoons, girl. Yeah, you get your spoons. I'll let you sit it out for a while. That's fine. Just don't like, don't know. No nuclear attacks. Yeah, no jonesing. Follow you. I would. That's how cults start. (laughs) (laughs) Starts with three and ends up with a lot more. So Jones packed up his family, his wife, Marceline, their seven adopted children. Oh, I knew he had adopted kids. Mm-hmm. And their five-year-old biological son, 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 Stephen Gandhi Jones, as well as over a hundred members of the church. And they all moved to California. Ah, I forgot they hit California before they moved. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Ow. Ashley, I know it's been a while, but there's a table there. Damn it. Don't like it. I'm trying to be very uh, aware of my mic etiquette since Rebecca's not here to look at me and to point to my microphone. So spatial awareness is hard. It is. So they quickly established roots and purchased a church and farmland for everyone to share. And that children is how a compound is made. Commune? Both. A co- oh, comp- got it. Got it. Compound. A I compound know. sentence. <laughs> <laughs> They learned how to live off the land where they lived in church-owned homes and basically became self-sufficient. They purchased multiple buses to travel around the country and recruit new members to come join them on the property. Look, this is a problem because this all sounds ideal, minus the whole like religion aspect of it. It, it won't last long. Jim would perform hay, hay feeling. <laughs> That's what you are. You're a hay feeler. I'm a hay feeler. Jim would perform 
faith healing ceremonies, and the members would tell their stories of how the church changed their lives. As they have everything they need on the property, members were encouraged to give all of their financial assets to the church and the community. Nope. Nope. Members would be encouraged to donate items that would be sold at the communal antique and thrift stores and at weekend flea markets. Okay, like that I'm on board for because like I have a lot of shit in my house. Yeah. You want to sell it for me? Cool. But you don't get any of the money. That's fine. If it's going to something I believe. Damn it, Tiffany. (laughs) God. I don't want to like give up. Like I'm still going to be. Damn it. I'm fucked. You're going to be in a cult one day. Elderly members would be asked to leave their belongings to the church. And members who had outside jobs, or excuse me, had jobs outside of the community were encouraged to, quote, donate their paychecks. Nope. And all the members would be given equal allowances from the available funds. Nope. All members would be required to hold jobs on the property. So cooking, cleaning. I'm down for that. in the nursery, taking care of animals, whatever. As well as having to attend late night meetings and Uh -uh. carry on with what little outside lives they may have left. No. Uh, Late night meetings? Hell no. Eight o'clock on the dot. I am out except for recording nights. Sleep and like rest of any sort. A lot of people who they've interviewed basically was that was considered like a luxury. If you got multiple hours of sleep in a night, it was Mm -mm. mind blowing. Nope. Which I think was one of his control tactics. Well, absolutely. That's a control tactic. But also that's one of the things that has kept me out of a cult, I guess. (laughs) Sleep. You could be in a sleep cult. Don't tempt me. So people would get up, tend to whatever they had to do in the morning. Anyone that had an outside job would go into the city, do that outside job, come back, tend to whatever they had to do on the compound at night, go to meetings. You got to throw in church. Like... Huh? You got to throw in church as well. Well, that's what I meant. Their meetings, their sermons, whatever the case might be there, which usually would go like once he started, he just kept on, keep it on. And they would go like into the next morning Mm -hmm. and then turn around and do it all over Mm -hmm. again. No. So his preachings in his preachings, he began to refer to himself as a prophet of God. Mm -mm. (laughs) That's my no, sir. You sit down and cut it out with that shit. His sermon started to turn from Christian focused to more of a socialistic focus. Well, didn't he say, though, that he had given up on God? Yes. So this was like him trying to get everybody else to give up on God or maybe or it's he goes back and forth on the whole God thing. But his focus turned once they got established at the new community. His focus turned a lot more from the preachings of God to the preachings of how they and how they could serve him. Got it. And how he was speaking the words of God and what he said should Mm -hmm. be taken as the word of God. Not what's in the Bible. Yeah. But so I don't think it was necessarily even a tie to God. I think he was using that as a point to get them to listen to him. Telling the members that the Bible was a symbol of oppression and he would be known multiple times to throw the Bible on the ground and basically be like, nothing happened. Like, I'm not being struck down. So obviously it can't be Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Jimothy. Jimothy, you need to get your shit together and stop being psychotic. He preached too late. 
He preached that there was no heaven and that they should be responsible to build heaven for themselves. Don't fall for it. <laughs> I, I mean, like, as far as afterlife goes, I'm not sure where my, like, belief system right. lies. So, like, why not make your heaven here? You only live once, unless <laughs> reincarnation's a thing, and then, like, but we don't know that now. Lucky. Again, don't fall for Jim Jones, I know, okay? I'm sorry. By the 1970s, he started preaching that everyone, everyone, except him, was gay. I know. If his followers tried to engage in heterosexual relationships, they are being selfish. What? And sexual relationships just take away from the community. Uh. So basically, he was trying to discourage heterosexual relationships, thinking that it would curb people from basically being sexual at all. Yeah. Is kind of what I got from it. And since he's the only... Got it. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Jim, he wasn't preaching celibacy, and he would often offer to satisfy the sexual needs of the members himself. No, Jim, no. I don't like this. What about all the ladies? Like, if they're gay, they don't want to have sex with you. Do you have someone for them? Jim, don't do this. Also, around this time, he would no longer refer to himself as God's prophet. What was he? God? He was God. Oh, no, Jim. During one sermon, he served the congregation punch, which he later told them was poisoned, and they were going to die together just as they had lived together. After the initial panicked reactions calmed down, he told him it wasn't poison. Oh, Jimothy. You trickster. It was uh. just a test of their loyalty to the church and their cause. Which I don't get, because they already drink it. It's not really a test. No, but their reactions. They all freaked. Was the test. <laughs> and he yeah. was like, it's cool, I can't, I'm just joshing. I'm just joshing you. NBD. This scare caused several members to leave the church and community as they quickly realized this was abuse of power and control. Yes. In 1971, the New People's Church. The New People's Church? The New... The new, new The People's Temple. <laughs> That's a hard one. I'm difficult. very proud of you. Thank you. Was opened in San Francisco, and in 1972, they opened one in Los Angeles. He would have the current members go through the trash and follow potential members to see if there was anything they could use against them. Oh. So basically, he was trying to gather dirt on anyone who was interested in joining the church so that if they ever tried to leave, he could blackmail them. And the current members were so in, ingrained into the system that mm-hmm. they didn't say anything wrong with this. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Like, he had them basically profiling anyone who showed interest in being a potential member. He had a lot of the current members act as the people that he did faith healing, quote-unquote, yeah. on. And for whatever reason... They were just like, okay, yeah, yeah, this sounds like fun. What a great Saturday afternoon idea. There aren't enough people that you need to heal, so I will do this. We got to drum up the attention. Yes. So if someone really needs to be healed, they will, come they will know you're there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So they would also have the new members sign documents. And, of course, either they didn't read them mm-hmm. or they altered them after the fact. But it was basically like blackmail documents. Got saying it. that they had done things like cheated on their spouse or done unmentionable things to people and oh. like all of these horrific things so that again if they ever tried to leave he could be like hey you're not going anywhere unless you want your life to be ruined damn why do all the bad people well i don't i guess it's not all of them i was gonna say why do all the bad people have to be so smart but it's the only ones that the ones that get away with it that were smart there are a lot of bad people who aren't smart enough to get away with it i mean yeah that's true but if they had gotten away with it we wouldn't know about them so technically there's not really any smart people because if they got away with it we wouldn't be telling their stories today valid valid you make a good point okay rebecca keep going (laughs) that's right you heard that i'm the smart one no (laughs) we're screwed oh ouch i have moments okay In 1972, the People's Temple went to San Francisco and gets involved with local government candidates. In 1973, multiple articles were released exposing Jim Jones' false claims of healing as well as reports of abuse and manipulation. And this is where he starts to freak out, which Mm -hmm. leads to the move. Got it. Yes. That makes sense. so he had a couple people that he left behind in Indianapolis that weren't packing up their lives and moving to California with him. But it hadn't really gotten as out of control yeah. until they moved to California and they were completely isolated. Yeah. So the handful of people that had left during when he made them drink the quote unquote poison the first time, their story started to spread. And within a year, people were like, huh, that's not just like this fun little hippie compound. No living up on the mountain. So he began preparing an action plan to prepare for a takedown of the temple. And in 1973, they decided to establish a compound in, in Guyana. Um, so basically they picked it because of the economy at the time, there was no extradition policy. Mm. And there were a lot of socialist and communist people that were either prolific or in Guyana. So he thought, we can scratch their back by going there and helping them develop yeah. this area. They can scratch ours by kind of looking the other way and being like, it's cool. We're on the same page as you. Yeah. Do what you do. So by 1975, Jim and his followers came under watchful eyes as they began campaigning for local politician George Moscani and helping him get elected as mayor with the caveat that Jim Jones be appointed as his housing commission chairman. Local journalists became intrigued by the group and started to look into the People's Temple. Yeah. So here's this guy who has had nothing to do with politics. I mean, it was a handful of years ago, but it's pretty relatively new to the area. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he has these people just coming out in hordes to support candidates or protest other candidates. And like, out of nowhere, he's just all of a sudden this huge impact on all of these people. So it, you know, raises some red flags. You're like, how do you... What's yeah. going on here? It it kind of sounds like when you said like protesting certain things or supporting certain things, it kind of sounds like Westboro Baptist Church, how they come out yeah. for certain things 
and you're like, oh, shit, what is, if you guys weren't so, like, nobody would, like, pay you any attention, but right. you're so, that's, okay. And it's, he, because he had such control over these people, yeah, that he could basically, like, decide, hey, this person seems to align with our views, and he could get, like, 2,000 people together in, like, 48 hours To go and volunteer for these people to work in their campaign centers, to run phone lines, to hand out pamphlets. That's why you always research your candidates and just don't (laughs) vote because you're like, oh, I saw those signs everywhere. Right? Because Jim Jones could be behind it. And it's blue. And I vote blue. blue. That one's red. (laughs) I vote red. Yeah. Yeah. Please do your research. An expose written by Phil Tracy and Marshall Kildiff was scheduled to be released on August 1st. Jim was able to obtain an advanced copy, and once he read it, he immediately told his followers they needed to prepare for Guyana that night. Oh. So while the article did list many of the good things that the temples took part in, like the soup kitchen, providing for the elderly, they set up a lot of, like, basically like senior citizen care uh-huh. places. They did a lot of, um, like I said, like job placement. They had a fund set up for like wives of fallen police officers. Oh, they did wow. a lot of really good, quote things. unquote, community good. But at what cost? Because it also listed the abuse. Yeah. Physical and mental. So lots of crazy stories about some of the crap that happened. If someone did something... That was against what the group stood for. They'd have to lay there on the ground, complete silence, and just take these verbal lashings by the community, telling them how horrible a person they are and that they're going to hell and that they did wrong and that they're not welcome and whatever. And they just had to lay completely still and take it. If they didn't, there was physical abuse. No. They started kicking them, punching them, whatever, until they went still again. Oh, oh, no. And then once they got up... Jim would hug them and tell them that he was their brother and that they were safe here and that they're only doing this because they want to make sure they stay on the righteous path and blah, 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 blah. Mother truckers. Ooh. I shouldn't be surprised. (laughs) I knew this was going to end poorly. Mm -hmm. I just, it's just infuriates me. So he was very much um, for public humiliation mm-hmm. and he used that tactic a lot calling people up during sermons making them lay in the middle of the compound and go through i can't remember what it's called but not good stuff um, shocker i know right he sounds like such a good guy the lack of sleep having to turn over all of their belongings and the crazy claims that jim jones believed he was god's It also mentions how hard it was for members to leave the temple and that investigations of the group should begin immediately. I mean, yeah, if you've given everything to the church. Mm. Well, not even like, you know, there was a handful of people that were like, I don't care. I'm out. They would literally be like chased and try to be encouraged to come back in and they would have to try and like sneak out under the cover of night. And like they were not... Nowhere was it said that they were not allowed to leave, but people would be like, no, no, just, just come talk to Jim. Just come talk to him. Yeah. He'll make it right. Just because so many people were so brainwashed by him. Yeah. And he probably knew that if people got out, it wouldn't end well. So a lot of times if they found out someone was trying to leave, they were highly encouraged not to do so. Yeah. 
So after the article was published in August of 1977, Jim Jones relocates the quote-unquote church to the 3,800-acre or 1,537.8 Haas. Haas! <laughs> Yay! Finally some Haas! <laughs> Compound in Guyana that is aptly named Jonestown. By the time the majority of the group had arrived, the land was prepared for them by a handful of other members who had gone out a few years prior. So once they decided they were going to move out there, they sent out like four people and then they sent out a couple more, sent yeah. out a couple more. So I think there was like 50 or 60 people that had lived there for a couple years. And they were basically, they were basically in the jungle. Yeah. Like oh, they yeah. They were seven miles away from the nearest water source, surrounded by trees. Like they mm-hmm. were in the middle of Nowhere. So they had, like I said, I think it was like 50 people that had gone out and built somewhere for them to live, basically. So they prepared the compound to be as similar to what it was in California, but again, in a completely isolated area. Mm-hmm. Like, you look it up on a map. Oh, and it's isolated. I mean, they when they bought, like, there was no electricity. They eventually got, like, the people that went down there changed all of that. There was no running water. There was no electricity. Like, they were literally had to go out and clear trees, middle yeah. of jungle, nothingness. And once the majority of the group had arrived in August, they were able to establish a fully operational compound. They even established a radio system that played sermons and announcements over the entire compound. 24 hours a day. I need silence. 24 hours a day of Jim Jones preaching that is overstimulation uh-huh. that's another form of torture yes that's exactly what it is and again people weren't really supposed to be resting and sleeping mm. so and just even just think about that if you ever fall asleep with like a movie on or whatever like it can mess with your head like yeah. something happens on the tv that's what you dream uh, well it twists your dream yeah like i've been falling asleep and there's been like gunshots on a show or something and i wake up thinking that Somebody got shot in one of my dreams or something. Yeah. It can mess with your head. So just imagine having that constantly Fuck. looping over your head. No, thank you. Mm-mm. So his uh, announcements included messages of how the U.S. forces would eventually be arriving to take them down. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Spoiler. <laughs> alert. Sorry. Oops. No one was allowed to leave Jonestown. If they asked, they would be marked as a blasphemer. Blasphemous. So the only people that were allowed to go anywhere ne- off the compound were like specifically chosen. Yeah. By Jim Jones, like his most loyal companions, basically, like his right hand men were the only people that were allowed to go into the other towns to mm. get things. And if they asked, they were punishments. There were rumors that cult members that tried to leave or asked to leave were harshly disciplined. They would be beaten, locked in coffin-sized prisons, what? or left to spend the night in dry water wells. No. Jones made <laughs> frequent announcements to the temple member regarding Jonestown's safety, including statements that the CIA and other agencies were conspiring to destroy the settlement. The temple sometimes conducted what Jones referred to as, quote, white nights. During such events, Jones would sometimes give the Jonestown members four options. Attempt to flee. Commit revolutionary suicide stay in jonestown and fight for the fight the attackers or flee into the jungle what? on at least two occasions during the white nights 
After a revolutionary suicide vote was reached, a simulated mass suicide was rehearsed. Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, God. (laughs) Everyone was told to line up. As they passed through the line, they were given a small glass of red liquid to drink. We were told the liquid contained poison and that we would die within 45 minutes. When the time came, when they should have been dead, Reverend Jones explained that the poison was not real and it was just another loyalty test. He warned us that the time was not far off, though, from when it would be necessary for us to die by our own hands. The temple had received monthly half-pound shipments of cyanide since 1976 after Jones obtained a jeweler's license to buy the chemical to clean gold. Oh, my God. What evil. Yeah. Completely. Like, and it was just his paranoia and his fear. Like, as soon as word started to get out, he just, like, spiraled. This is why mental health is so important. <laughs> <laughs> Fix your spoons, people. So a few members, however, were able to escape. And once they returned to the States and began spreading word of how awful things were. This coupled with the already critical eye on the group from the article and the majority of the group fleeing with no notice sparked great interest in the investigation of the People's Temple. Congressman Leo Ryan announced that he was going to fly to Jonestown on November 1st. Once word reached Guyana, they began to plan how they would handle their arrival. The group, including Jim Jones, went back and forth on their reactions, from saying we should just welcome them with open arms and invite them to see what a wonderful community we have here. Yeah. To radicals saying we should just kill kill them all upon their arrival. Oh, because that would work out well for you. Absolutely. I don't know what happened. They just got lost in the woods. It, mm, the jungle. Yeah. I, we never saw him. He never made it here. I don't know what happened. So Ryan and his team arrived on a Friday and they were welcome to enter the community. They were greeted with a concert where members of the Jonestown Choir performed. Told you. <laughs> Throw back to the top of the episode. <laughs> Congressman Ryan made a speech saying that he was there to investigate the claims against the operation, but he believed that the people who were there really, truly believed that this was the best thing that ever happened to them. And the crowd went wild. <sighs> I think I mentioned this towards the end as well, but there's a lot of recordings. Yes. Because he recorded ton. basically all of his sermons. Mm-hmm. If you choose to listen to them. Oh, God. Please do so with discretion. It's, I made the mistake. I, I made, mm, I'm not wise. (laughs) I'm not well. (laughs) But in my less wise days, when I was like, so fascinated with this, I was like, you know what? They're not going to put out the actual tapes of the day. So I can listen to some of the stuff he said or some of the things they did. No. Don't. Or if you choose to, that's fine. You do you. Just like Ashley said, discretion. It's yeah. tough. And prepare yourself. It's because even just the way he speaks, yes. it's a lot, especially towards the end. So crowd goes wild. They're like, yeah, we love it here. So happy. Oh, my God. We're so glad you came to see how amazing it is. But after his speech, a few members of Jonestown went up to the people, Mm -hmm. uh, Leo Ryan and the crew that came with him, and started handing him notes. Mm -hmm. Basically asking for help, saying this is not what it seems. We're stuck here. Take us with you. Please help, etc. 
And more and more people started to come up to him, begging them to take him back to the States with them. So once Jones gets word of these notes, he starts begging his followers to stay. Members of Jonestown, once they realized that Jim Jones knew what was going on, were basically like started just fleeing towards the crew. And yeah. they were like, we're not safe. Please help us. And Ryan was basically like, as long as we're here, you guys are safe. Yeah. Like, you're basically covered under embassy or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like, we're not going to let anything happen to you. One member comes up to Ryan just shaking and crying and obviously in distress and pulls a knife on him. No. They had go through a tussle. Ryan was not hurt, but the Jonestown member cuts himself and blood goes everywhere, which sends the commune into like this mass panic. Yeah. Because they don't know who hurt who. They don't know what yep. happened. They don't know if they're being attacked. Right. They don't know if they're being attacked. The group that's with Leo Ryan doesn't know. Well, you know, they know they're being attacked because yeah. obviously they're not attacking anyone. But and Jim has been telling them people are coming, coming to attack us. Exactly. So mass panic. So Leo Ryan and the crew that's with him, they're like, we got to go. go. No questions asked. Don't worry about our shit. Just get go. to the plane. So a hand, Ryan, his team and a handful of temple members make their way to their plane to escape. As they're getting onto the plane, a dump truck pulls up to the plane Temple members just pile out and they open fire on the crew. 16 people are shot. Five of them would pass away, including Congressman Leo Ryan. There was also another plane because teeny tiny airport in Guyana um, that had nothing to do with Jonestown. Um, Some of the members, because they knew that they witnessed what happened. Yeah. They tried to basically hijack that plane. They were kicked off the plane. They did. I think they ended up wounding two people on that one. They were kicked off the plane and the pilot took off. But they had people, they had members basically begging them to take them with them. But then these people also have no idea what's happening. So they're trying to get the people that are supposed to be on the plane up in the air and safe. Jones knew that if anyone made it out alive, the jig would be up. And it would only be a matter of time before the People's Temple in Jonestown were shut down for good. While the attacks taking place at the airport... Jim Jones gathers the remaining members of the Jonestown complex and tells them that it is time to complete their revolutionary suicide, stating, quote, if we can't live in peace, we need to die in peace. And and that's the kind of stuff you can hear Mm -hmm. on the tapes and the people's reactions. And it's in. Oh, it's awful. So this is the one in particular. Just please. If you have that morbid curiosity or that educational curiosity or whatever it is, this one, if you come across it, it is highly labeled what it is. Yeah. So you should not just stumble across it. It's 45 minutes long Mm -hmm. of basically members trying to plead their case. Jim Jones trying to persuade them. It's dark. So many of his followers protested asking why they couldn't just run away. Like, if this is where they think that we are, if this is our compound, why can't we run away? Because that had been brought up a couple times, too, as, like, another escape plan. So he left California to go to Guyana. If anything happened in Guyana, we have the potential to go to Russia or somewhere else. Like, let's just go. Let's just run. We did it already. Like, flying from California to Guyana probably takes a little while. We have time. But he was basically told, I'm not leaving. Jim Jones said, I'm not leaving. Um, another member proclaimed, quote, I have the right to what I think. We all have rights to our own destiny. 
He said, there's no point in running because I am the best friend you'll ever have. Mm. Someone announces that the congressman has been murdered and Jim proclaims, quote, it's all over. Prepare the poison. Oh, the poison being grape flavor raid laced with cyanide, tranquilizers and sedatives. After 45 minutes of pleading with these people to drink the poison and just to mm-hmm. let's all go together. He starts getting frustrated and he tells the people, quote, die with a degree of dignity. Lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. I tell you, I don't care how many screams you hear. I don't care how many anguished cries. Death is a million times preferable to 10 more days of this life. If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. Mm. Again, going back to the recording after about 43, 45 minutes, it goes silent. And the silence is the worst part. And um, so everyone has Mm -hmm. either gone or there were a handful of people that didn't actually take the poison and just caught on and started to play smart. But, or excuse me, started to play like they had passed on. Jones, however, did not drink the poison because he's a dick. Yes, he did die. He was found with a bullet shoot bullet wound to his head yeah initially they thought that he shot himself but his nurse and his like main aide also died of a bullet wound Mm -hmm. so there are theories that he had her shoot him yeah and then she completed suicide herself so but he did not take the poison basically after watching everyone die in agonizing pain for 45 minutes he didn't want to take it so on November 18th, 1978, a total of 909 people died at the settlement. I believe between the people who died at the settlement, the people who died in the shooting, as well as a couple people that weren't on Jonestown yeah. property, but still completed suicide for the cause. Mm-hmm. I think it's a total of 918 people. That's insanity. Which until September 11th, Represented the largest number of American civilian casualties in a single non-natural event. Wow. Don't do Colts, kids. No, don't. Uh, I. It fascinated me so much when I first heard this. And yeah. like, it still does because I want to know. It's like everybody goes through their Hitler face. You want to know what's going on right? in the head. And you want to know what's going on in his head. But like, fuck. So... Going back to the, I remember the reaction you had when we were talking about like 22 and 18 and like 14 and 18. Mm-hmm. So the first, <laughs> this is a horrible story, but first time I ever heard about Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. So when me and my sister worked for the restaurant industry, of course, if anyone's ever worked in the service industry, you know, you close down your restaurant and then you go to whatever one that's closest to you that's still open. Yeah. And they had like industry nights. Well, I was the youngest out of the group, and I would always be DD whenever we went. So we'd all go. I was like, I don't care. I'm just here to have a good time. Yeah. Well, there's this bar down the road from us, and we used to go very often, multiple times a week. We would go down there because they did like karaoke and whatever. And um, I befriended yep. the owner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And... um whatever it's past the limit now nothing happened between us it would have if my sister hadn't been there every night but that is beside the point (laughs) one day he offered me he was like look i'm not stupid i know you order cokes and all of your friends order shots Shots. 
Like, yeah. what do you want to drink, basically? And he was like, you can have a drink. They're hanging out for a while. You'll be fine. I'm going to make you a drink. We're going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. We'll be cool. I was like, cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Girl. I was at the age. I was 18. Yeah. So I was an adult, quote unquote. So it's not like I was a young child. Um, Might even have been 19. But I was like, I've just been to parties and they have like punch in a cooler that you scoop up with your cup. Yep. <laughs> or like handed drinks. And he was like, okay. Do you like grape Kool-Aid? Yep. Yeah. So there's a very, very horribly offensive drink named after this. The and Jim Jones. Yeah. And I was like, what? who's Jim Jones? Like, who is this? So we literally, keep in mind, this guy was supposed to be running a bar on like a Friday, Saturday night. We sat outside for two and a half hours. And he was telling me the story of Jim Jones. Wow. Which did not help my crush on him because I was like... You like goats too? (laughs) (laughs) But like, okay, so the Jim Jones was the first drink that like whenever I started going out to bars and Mm -hmm. getting drinks, they were like, what do you want? I'm like, Jim Jones. Yep. It's delicious. It's purple. I'm here. I'm here for it. But yeah, no, that's bad. Yeah. It's a very, very insensitive name. Kind of like the whole quote unquote, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Like, yeah, it's really insensitive and I get it. Majority of people, when the phrase started coming, you had no idea what it was tied to. Here's the thing with this. Like, I'm fascinated by cults and like Heaven's Gate is my favorite. I know. But the reason I'm more at peace with Heaven's Gate is they were all like, this is what we want and this is what we believe in and this is what we want to do. Yeah. And then if you listen to the tapes, like that, that's not what most of the compound wanted. There was... There was a significant amount of people that were okay with it. Yes. Like, there was a story of a lady who, one of the ones that wasn't on the compound that passed away. Like, she wasn't on the compound. She was with her family out, like, at the market or something. Mm -hmm. And still, once she got word of what happened, like, she still completed it. Like, she was obviously one of the devoted followers. Yes. You know, and there still were people that really, truly believed that that's the only way that they would achieve. Yeah whatever they were trying to achieve but yeah you can hear in the recordings that there was and it's like this build-up because it starts with like one or two people that are brave enough to stand up and say something and then another person and another person but then you also hear all these people like shooting them down like you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him and you're going to be nothing without him just do it so it's tough it is but also it's one of those like he played a lot Like, yeah, he made it out to be that he did a lot of good for underprivileged and. But he was also using that as a power tool. Mm -hmm. Like, I can help you and nobody else will. Yeah. Like, at one comment. So, Jim Jones is a white man. A straight white man. Oh, yeah. We should probably have said that. Yeah. And I think over 50% of the People's Temple, I think we're African-American, if not definitely minority races that were underprivileged and had nowhere else to go you know granted once they moved to california it was a little more liberal is that the word i'm looking for yeah maybe they were a little more open a little more accepting yeah so it wasn't quite as bad as it was but he played a lot on the savior complex the white savior so there's one quote and i think it's in the final recording 
where he says something about we are all we're a group of strong black people or something like that and i'm like how did not a single one of those people be like ayo jim you're white because (laughs) they they followed him to guyana like this is his i know but it's just insane to me and just like that white superior complex or white savior complex and i get it i mean i cannot imagine being in the shoes of these people that fell to them and i am not faulting them in any way shape or form but it's just this is a cautionary tale baffling it is and i when you step back and look at it and you're you're like okay this is a guy from indiana Mm -hmm. and like all of a sudden over 900 people lose their life because of this you're like how but then you start going through the story and you're Uh like oh i would have fallen for that i would have fallen for that's why when i started to look into it and i started finding like a little bit more about the backstory and a little bit more about the backstory i was like oh yeah because everybody knows about the massacre. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, how? Like, how did he get all of these people to follow him from California? It, That's how. And it makes a little more sense yeah. now. Well, thanks for that. Uh-huh. We're back, baby! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on that note. Ah, good job. Successful completion of our first unsupervised episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not our first unsupervised high five. Damn it, that one was still shitty. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fourth time's a charm. <laughs> and on that note, remember, friends, everyone has something that they find odd. Hmm. Let's tell you about it. Let us tell you about it. <laughs> if you have any questionable topics, oh, this is sad. Sorry. It's good. Mental health is priority. Rebecca's getting those spoons. Spoons, 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 spoons. If you want to get on Discord and like send her some gifs of spoons, you can yeah. do that. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found at our website, theladiesofstrange.com, or you can email them to us at theladiesofstrange at gmail.com. Keep, Keep it strange, strange lovelies. lovelies. We love you, Rebecca. Come back. Baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. And you can have some spoons. Cause I just went to Ikea.